You're listening to GP Works, the podcast for and about general practice brought to you by the Irish College of General Practitioners. I'm Aileen O'Mara, and in this episode, I'm talking to the new president of the ICGP, Dr. Mary Favier, a GP based in Cork. Mary, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. And Mary is coming to us via Zoom all the way from Cork on this podcast today. Mary, uh, congratulations on becoming president. I know that you have some hopes and aims for your year as president. Would you like to tell me about them? Yeah, I've been delighted to have become the president. It's uh, I've been involved in the college for so many years that it's just, you know, it's a great honour and privilege to get to the stage where you become the president. Having started out so many years ago working with Michael Boland as a, as a project fellow and then on to being a CME tutor and group leader and sitting on any number of committees and being chair of the ed- education and it's just great. You just get to the stage where you become the president. And uh, yeah, I know I have lots of ideas about how the college can be made more relevant for its members, improve communication. There's lots of different things. And obviously, I'll be following on the work that so many other people have, have started and are continuing to work on. And when you say improve communication, would you have ideas around that now or is it still at an early stage? Because I know communication is always one of the things that people say the college should be doing more of. But this podcast, for example, is one of the, one one of the of ways exactly. we're well, to do I think, that. I think, to be fair, the college does lots of it. Uh, and But I think member, members don't always see that. It might not always be particularly targeted to them or they need more of it. I think the reality is, I don't know what the stats are, but I'm sure people see about 10 or 15% of all communications that get sent. Although I have to say, having seen some of the recent e-zine that's sent and health updates, you know, more than 60, 70 percent of people are opening those emails. I think that's that's a good sign uh, that the open rate is very high. Yeah, it yeah, is. It I is. think it's very high. And I congratulate the, you know, those involved on being able to amalgamate that very topical and timely material uh, you know, on a weekly basis. Isn't that one of the challenges for the college, though, Mary, is that doctors are now so busy that actually being able to get the attention of doctors and say spend a bit of time reading communications from the college and see you know what's what's happening in terms of training and stuff that this is a challenge because people are so busy now yeah it is i think i think we've gone from a situation where it was quite reasonable to sit in your surgery it was a walk-in basis there were no appointments and when your cup of tea came you might read one of the medical newspapers uh and then a plethora of medical newspapers appeared and we were somewhat overwhelmed by that but now very few people take tea breaks we have relentless appointments extras so the medical newspapers and the standard paper environment is not read anywhere near as much as it was and so and I think Forum magazine tends to be the only one that sticks out there that still gets read. So GPs then need to find other ways of keeping up to date. And for many people, electronic communications and digital communications are just more problematic. They tend to receive them and we sometimes are overwhelmed when we don't open them and or don't digest them or can't find them again when we want to l- listen to them again. So I think for the college, it's to try and work with that. But from communication point of view, I mean as much back to organize, you know, structures like the council, trying to make sure that council members find it useful to attend council, that it's interesting, that the, their issues, the issues dealt with there are relevant, that they, they can bring issues there that are of importance to GPs, and that they report back in another aspect of the communication to faculty members, whether it's, it's within current faculty structures or that we look at potentially new ones. So it's it's to try and improve that communication and particularly then target that at younger members who 
don't haven't and historically needed the college in the same way some of the older members did when it was started up and many of our younger members very much see the college as the examination structure and that's all it functions as and it's to try to make that critical you know fill that critical gap uh, so that they see the college as more than that that it reflects what's relevant in their lives and that we can you know improve their understanding of the college their desire to be involved in it to contribute to agitate and change if that's what they see fit uh, and to to believe in it and be proud of it. So, so the faculty is, is a really important point of contact, though, isn't it, between particularly the younger members and uh, but also all the all the members, really, and the college. Do you think the faculty network is being used as well as it could be? In some instances, yes, it's fantastic. Really active, lively faculties where the centre of all college business goes on in the faculty and Cork City would be an example of it. Um, but Tipperary is another one. You know, it's not just an urban based thing. But in other areas, they have different structures. They have clinical societies, med- various medical meetings, drug pharma sponsored things are more significant. But it's tr- the college is actually one of the places where where you'll get GP appropriate unbiased information and we need to try and revitalize that structure in some of the faculties. It may only be two meetings a year but where information that's relevant to them can be passed on. But more particularly, the college can hear back up through its structures what's relevant to them, uh, both what it's doing well, but also what it could do better. I know you have a very busy, as you say yourself, a very busy practice in, in Cork. Can you tell me a little bit about the practice for people who don't know it already? Well, we're a three-partner practice. Uh, we have a trainee as well in the, and a half-time assistant in the North City suburbs, a far area called Farnry Fairhill area of high urban deprivation so i've been there over 20 years and over that time have seen significant health problems develop and become entrenched due to deprivation and poor socioeconomic status you know lower educational achievement uh less health understanding and there's more work there and unfortunately we're not paid to do it and particularly during the recession years it there was some pretty heavy lifting now, hopefully with the IMO GP deal, it will improve. The new contract so, does have a weighting in favour of uh, working in deprived areas, doesn't it? Well, there's there's a, going to be a fund allocated to those who work in areas of high deprivation. It hasn't been determined yet how that's going to happen. But yes, that's very welcome. Uh, Professor Susan Smith has done a huge amount of work on that and is to be commended on it. Uh, the how that will will roll out. What we really need is more doctor time that we can give longer consultations and see people more often. It wouldn't be unusual for some of our GMS patients to be seen 20, 30 times a year uh, for all types of uh, socioeconomic problems as much as anything else. Uh, so there's a, it's to try and also improve that, you know, an understanding of that type of work, that general practice is core to good quality healthcare in those environments, but it needs to be supported. So... I, th- I don't think it's entirely different, though, to those who work in rural areas of deprivation. They have as many of similar issues and obviously additional isolation is a problem for them. And it must be hard enough to get that voice heard, to get that, get that message across, isn't it, really, in a time where we're all hearing that the health service is overspending, can't keep within its budgets, has been told all the time, must spend less and do more. Yes, it goes back to this old... N- you know, old nugget we deal with and it's a nut that's very hard to crack of that many many people don't understand what general practice does and for many of them it's because they've never used it and they don't need to and they've never needed to understand what it meant but that it is core to a functioning health service that you must have a well resourced primary care service of which general practice needs to be the center part 
and that we have a very significant gatekeeper role uh, that you know we need to be paid and remunerated and supported as much sometimes to do nothing as to prescribe or refer but that takes time and so improving communication that that the wider public but particularly our policy makers and our politicians understand what general practice is and that we can deliver if appropriately resourced you know is a very important part of the college's business and then the college's role as well as an advocate for patients i mean there are the patients who like you say are in the deprived areas like in the areas that you're working in who maybe have a medical card but there are a lot who don't have a medical card there are ones then who don't have health insurance they're really caught in the middle aren't they yes i mean this term the the squeezed middle has been used another version of it is uh, is the working poor and we would see very substantial numbers of people who are caught between not meeting the income eligibility for medical cards which is which is very low isn't much more than 8 or 9000 euros a year if you're a single person uh that and then not having the the income or the 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 means to support private health insurance so many of those patients have you know, really find it very difficult to come to the doctor and then to pay for the services they receive there, whether that's long acting contraception or prescriptions or return visits. It's an issue that's been become apparent in the in the termination of pregnancy service that because that's provided free, we've seen a significant number of women present to that because they couldn't afford the contraception. They'd been offered long term acting, but couldn't afford it. And the long term acting reversible contraception is, 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 is quite expensive. It's very expensive if you're on very limited means. I mean, you can be looking at 150 euros for the device and another 150 euros to have it inserted. Now, over the long term, it's cheaper because it lasts three to five years. But the if you're working on a week by week paycheck or a monthly paycheck, even saving up that much money and even having you know, the wherewithal to organize that much money. So that's an example of where we're never going to see those women that except that they've been unmasked through this service. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's one of the areas that the college will advocate on, do you think? Oh, well, the working poor, yes. And those who just really cannot meet the very limited income eligibility that's set. Uh, but also then a comprehensive contraception service. It would make it would be something that every GP would support because it is a core part of their business, and the long-acting contraceptives are integral to that. Mary, I know we could talk for a long time about all the uh, the aspects of the health service and all the things that you are involved in. We would encourage people, obviously, who are listening, to you know to to read the e-zine, to keep in touch with the college, to get involved in faculties. What would you say to the new? GP trainees now at this time that we're talking now there's an, the induction of the new the new set of trainees beginning their four-year program to become general practitioners would you give them any advice or what would you say to them as they start out on this journey I'd say to them you've chosen a career pathway that is truly going to make a difference it is now increasingly thought that you'll save more lives as a general practitioner even than as an emergency physician you know an ed deficient which is extraordinary now of course you won't see them and there won't be blue flashing lights but they're there because the what you can undertake is prevention you'll have a career that's very is will always be interesting you will never be bored you can have what's called a portfolio career sometimes somewhat pejoratively but i've had one myself in the sense that i have done many different roles in the college i've done a lot of work you know in the medical legal area i've been an advocate for women's reproductive rights you can do many different things all of them based in general practice you can work full time you can work part time there are shared contracts the college is a place where it can assist you to to have that type of career and get involved in the most simple levels just by sitting on a committee or taking on one of the project fellow jobs and 
there's a very bright future in front of them. They, they, there will be many changes and challenges, but I would guarantee they will always enjoy it. And thanks to Dr. Mary Favier for joining us on today's podcast. Remember, you can follow the podcast on SoundCloud and on iTunes and find out more at icgp.ie.